Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Morgan Klein, full-time mom, personal trainer, co-founder, and COO of Burn Bootcamp. I'm here to bring you a strong dose of hot topics such as nutrition, fitness, self-help, style, entrepreneurship, motherhood, and so much more. I strive to inspire you to live your life with greater balance, vitality, and empowerment. So grab a mug and join me for a cup of coffee and kettlebells. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Kettlebells. Today, I'm excited to introduce our next guest, Chrissy King. Chrissy King is a fitness coach and creator of the Body Liberation Project. She's here to talk about anti-racism and wellness industry and why women's self-worth should not be tied to how her body looks. Chrissy is a writer, speaker, strength coach, and truth teller with a passion for intersectional feminism and creating a diverse and inclusive wellness industry. She's been featured on Self, Shape, BuzzFeed, Muscle and Fitness, and Live Strong, among many other great publications. She empowers individuals to stop shrinking, start taking up space, and use their energy to create their specific magic in the world. When she's not serving her clients by empowering them to create stress-free and sustainable lifestyles and feel confident and empowered in their skin, she spends her time lifting all the weights, reading, traveling, and hanging out with friends and family. Welcome to the podcast, Chrissy. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you and really your story um, into fitness and how you've gotten to where you are today. Absolutely. So I got into fitness pretty much like I think a lot of people did. I was in my 20s and I really wanted to just lose weight. That was my only motivation to go to the gym. I wanted to lose weight. And I remember I joined the gym and I was really, uh, for the most part, just hanging out on the cardio equipment. And then my sister hired a trainer. So I followed suit and hired a trainer. I remember our first sessions, like all of 30 minutes, but I had never done like any strength training in my adult life. And I remember saying, she's okay, we're going to head over to the weight section. And I was like, no, I said, I wanted to lose weight. I don't need, I don't need to strength drain. I don't need muscles, any of that. And so anyway, she's like, just trust me. And I had already hired her. So I felt like I had to trust her at that point. She introduced me to strength training and I did not like it at first. It was very, like my body wasn't used to it. That mm-hmm. first session again felt like it lasted five hours. It was 30 minutes. I felt like I got hit by a bus after, but I kept going. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, I actually started to enjoy it. But also I started to see improvements in strength. My first session was very basic. A lot of body weights, light dumbbells. But I started to see improvement things that my body could do. And I started seeing myself getting stronger. And I really fell in love with strength training and eventually led me to powerlifting. And I started competing in powerlifting on a national level. And it's interesting because the narrative I had growing up was always that I'm a weak person. I didn't wasn't physically strong. And it was like the ongoing joke in my family that I was a weakling. And that didn't bother me. In my mind, like some people are strong, some people are weak. I was just a weak person. Um, but strength training really helped me realize that strength is a skill just like any other skill. So I went from feeling like I had zero strength, not being able to do like a single push up or even with very simple body weight stuff. Fast forward a few years, I was deadlifting over 400 pounds, squatting over 300 pounds, benching over 200 pounds, and competing at really high levels of powerlifting. Wow, that's incredible. So talk about how that shifted your um, relationship with your body that ultimately has led you to your belief system now. Again, I went to the gym for one sole purpose to shrink my body. And that was the only desire I had. Mm. And then again, I started to see that my body was capable of a lot more than I thought. 
But even still, while I was strength training, even into powerlifting, I was still very hyper-focused on maintaining, controlling a, a particular physique. And I did lose a lot of weight throughout that process. But I remember being in my like my strongest point I had been an adult in my adult life and also the leanest I'd ever been had ever been in my adult life and I was still so obsessed with how I looked and I was still unhappy with how I looked I had reached what I what would have been considered a goal weight for me and it was always something else it was always mm-hmm. like oh, I always need to lose five more pounds or I just need to change this part of my body or I just need to do this and I was actually really miserable and had a very bad relationship with body image and it's one of those things that I was it was weird because I was walking around the world and people were constantly commenting on my body and saying oh my god you look so great and I was just like I don't know what these people see I look awful and all I could see was like my flaws and my imperfections and so mm-hmm. it was really low point for me as I was really I always tracked everything I ate and I was very obsessed with it to the point that like I couldn't enjoy time out with friends or family because the thought of not being able to track exactly what I was eating was really stressful to me. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember I had a weekend where it was like, I consider it like my low point and that I went away for, I was married at the time and I went away for just like a weekend getaway with my in-laws. And I wasn't excited about going at all because of the food situation. So I packed as much food as I could for the weekend. And I remember this one day we were out and I had like my Tupperware container, which had been sitting in the car all day and it was like lunchtime. And so all of my like in-laws were going into this restaurant and I stayed in the car because I was going to eat this like very sad looking meal that had been sitting in the Tupperware container all day. And my ex, who was like a wonderful person, his family was like, why isn't she coming in? And he's oh, she's eating healthy right now. So she's going to eat in the car. And they were really generous. And so they asked the restaurant if I could bring my food in and they let me. And so I brought my food in. But then I just remember sitting there thinking, this is really actually very sad, right? Everyone's having this wonderful eating experience. I'm eating food out of a Tupperware container that's been sitting here all day yeah. um, under the guise of health, but I'm actually really miserable. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a turning point for me. And I really stopped tracking macros that day. I started to really work on my relationship with myself with body image and also like where was I deriving my worth as a person from and starting to recognize that my value and worth from as a person doesn't come from what I look like and that was like a long journey for me to get to where I am now where I consider a lot of the work I do now to be in the realm of body liberation but there was a very long journey for me to get to that place yeah that's an interesting story I think I've walked a similar one myself of that obsession over how many calories you're burning, how many you're consuming and like constantly doing that math equation. And, and like you said, it really struck me too. And you look in the mirror and you are beautiful, but like you're pointing out your flaws. And so it's, there's never satisfaction. There's never fulfillment. You're constantly on this hamster wheel of um, not feeling good enough. And it is a powerful moment when you can really see that. And I know now it's one of your missions to really help other women see that in themselves, see that you are not defined by what you look at in the mirror, by the numbers on the scale. And, and that's what you call your body liberation project. So talk to us a little bit about how that got started and really what that looks like. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a, a lot of it obviously derived from my own personal relationship with body image. I think in social media, especially, we hear a lot about body positivity and even uh, body ne- neutrality. I think those things are a great entry point for people to start thinking differently about their bodies. But I think body positivity even is very hyper-focused on, do I love my own body? And and when I think of body liberation, it's several steps beyond that because body liberation for me is I can recognize again that my inherent value and worth in the world are not about, are not even derived from what I look like. And even more so that the body that I have is really just a vessel that allows me to have this human experience. 
the thing that makes me who I am. It's just what allows me to do the things I do and create my magic in the world. And, and then also for me, when I think of body liberation, it's also beyond just even making sure that I can understand that I'm more than my body, but also recognizing that we live within a system that there's a systemic oppression for people from all different body types. So how are we collectively demanding justice for all bodies that no, everybody, no matter what their background, race, gender, ethnicity, can feel safe in, in, in their bodies and feel, not even just feel comfortable, but also feel safe in their ability to exist in the world. I think so often within body positivity space, it is hyper-focused on self-love and do I love myself? And while that's important, and I, I want everyone to, to be able to have that established for themselves, I think it's also important for us also to always recognize that person's individual ability to love themselves doesn't necessarily negate systemic oppression from living in a larger body or living in a black body or living in a trans body. And so how are we collectively working to dismantle these systems of oppression so that everyone can actually experience liberation and freedom? Yeah. And so does that come too with also not just accepting your own body, but also being accepting of others? Is that what you mean by that? Accepting of others. And then also, again, I think working to make sure that no matter what type of body someone exists in, that they can walk and navigate the world freely without fear of harm or danger. Yeah. Yeah. So in, you know, specifically in the fitness space, where do you see the biggest opportunity? We're going to talk about racism in the fitness space and allowing people to live freely. That Mm -hmm. involves being able to walk into the gym and do what you need to do without feeling that judgment from others. And so right now, in your opinion, where is that opportunity? Where does that live in the fitness space? I think that the industry as a whole, we have a lot of work to do in terms of creating inclusive spaces that actually feel welcoming for people of all backgrounds so people from all backgrounds can feel celebrated and accepted and understood and that we're creating spaces with everyone in mind and when I say everyone in mind that like is if I am a person who is a trans person would I be able to walk into your space and have a gender neutral changing facility I would feel safe changing clothes mm-hmm. or gender neutral showers or gender neutral bathrooms right things mm-hmm. that if you don't have an experience you might not think about that right you might right. not think about what that would feel like to be in a different identity and so are we creating spaces with everyone in mind mm-hmm. and hopefully removing the barriers of access for people whether that be financial but also beyond the financial aspect just like i said all the barriers that might prevent people from being able to walk into a space and feel welcome there are you thinking about those things? And I think that in, within the fitness industry, there's a lot of work that can be done in those arenas. Yeah. Yeah. And as a fitness professional myself, I'm not a person of color. So I think that I have even a bigger opportunity to make these changes. And I think that we want to know where to start. Like, where is the best place for someone like myself who owns a gym and who is in the fitness industry? And where can, how can I be most supportive? to every walk of life to make sure they feel welcome. A lot of the work that I do, I I host a variety of uh, trainings and webinars for uh, wellness professionals. And the first one, the introductory one that I do is called anti-racism for wellness professionals, because I think that when we're talking about creating spaces that are truly diverse and inclusive, the the foundation has to be anti-racism and social justice in order to have the framework to think about what do I need to be doing to create diversity and inclusive spaces. So I think 
individually, all of us need to be doing the work of unlearning and becoming anti-racist in our lives. And I think the thing with the word racism in, in general is that makes people uncomfortable because people think of racism as KKK and lynching people, right? When right. racism, in fact, exists on a spectrum. So yes, on one end of the spectrum, there are things like the KKK, but the other end of the spectrum, there are things like microaggressions that are more common and casual and happen day to day. I can give an example for myself as a black woman. Comments that I hear all the time are like, oh, wow, you speak so well for, you're so articulate. And, and again, I think people have like good intentions when they're saying that, but you didn't expect me to speak well. And that's probably mm. because you have implicit mm-hmm. bias or unconscious mm-hmm. bias. Mm-hmm. And so it's recognizing that we all have bias for one. And so we have to be, particularly when we're trying to create spaces that feel good for people of all backgrounds, we have to be examining and, and looking at our own biases because we all have them. And the thing about biases is not that it makes us a good or a bad person. It makes us human. And no matter who we are, we have biases. So how are we learning to unlearn those things? And so I think that needs to be the foundation of everyone's work when we're talking about creating faces that are diverse and inclusive. And one of my favorite books that I always recommend to people, if you're like, ah, where should I start? Is the book Me and White Supremacy by Layla Saad. Because not only is it chock full of information, at the end of each chapter, there's like really, really good foundational journey, journaling questions that really make you think and put into practice the things that you're learning and the things that you're reading and make you do that deep reflection, which is sometimes really uncomfortable, but 100% mm-hmm. necessary towards we're doing this work in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you said it right there. It's, it is hard work and it feels uncomfortable, but if you're not willing to to admit that there is some racism that lives in you as a white female or a white male, then you're ignoring the problem. And I think that's right. the message that that you're trying to send is or that you're trying to say is first do the work yourself and then you can start to open your eyes to maybe how your business is coming off as racism and how you're not welcoming the right people into your gym or everybody into your gym to be inclusive and diverse. What else do you think we have the biggest opportunity? Obviously, I'm the founder of a of a fitness brand that gears towards women. We have men in our gyms as well, but it is definitely a female brand. And I, if I look around, I am just even in my headquarters, I have opportunity to be more diverse, to include more people. And do you feel overall like the fitness community is got their arms wide open right now or are they very closed off to making changes? I think it is more open than it's ever been in the past. And I say that because I've been doing this work and talking about these things since probably 2016. So I think within the last few months, there's a lot more people talking about it that haven't been willing to come to the conversation previously. Right. So I think we're in a time frame where people, particularly in the wellness and fitness industries, are open to these conversations in ways they've never been before. So I think that's a positive. But then I also think too, the thing when it comes to having these conversations is that having the conversations is one thing. Doing mm-hmm. the work, as I already said, is complicated, it's nuanced, it's mm-hmm. difficult. It's not work that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. You have to make decisions that don't feel great sometimes in order yeah. to actually do the work that you want to be doing and creating this stuff. So I do think that we're going in the right direction as an industry, but I, I do think, yes, overall, there's still a lot more work to be done. And I think that sometimes people get confused and thinking that making your stance on anti-racism or saying, yes, I'm going to be more diversity inclusive, don't always translate into actually doing the work necessary. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's where I would like to see more progress happening. But yeah. I will say all overall, it is the most I've seen in the last year, recent years. So let's talk a little bit about self-care and identifying boundaries. So in your opinion, has is self-care 
something that's almost like overused right now, like self-care. What does that mean to what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think self-care is kind of overused um, right now and a little bit commodified as well. However, self-care is so important. I I truly believe in the the necessity of self-care, but I just think sometimes the way we the way it's being talked about in mainstream wellness, I think is sometimes a little bit short-sighted or we think of self-care only in like terms of like bubble baths and like massages and like vacations, which yes, can be self-care, but self-care also shows up like setting boundaries with people, saying no to things that don't actually serve you, making difficult life decisions that maybe people don't like, but are the best thing for you long-term. And so sometimes self-care when you're doing it, you're taking these important steps that are going to lead you to a better place mentally and the long term and the short term can cause a lot of pain and difficult, yeah. you know, feelings. I think about that for myself, like in the last two years, I separated from a long term relationship, I left the corporate job that I was at. And those things were hard decisions to make and sometimes led to ugly tears <laughs> threw me into a pillow. However, on the other side of that, I know it was the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sometimes we think of self-care and we talk about it in these ways that are like going to instantly make you feel better. And I don't think that's always the case. Yeah. I mean, you can take bubble baths all day long, but if you're still in a toxic relationship, it's like you're only going to be able to get so far when it comes to accepting yourself and loving yourself because of that toxic Mm -hmm. piece. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like sometimes it's saying no to people. It's cutting people out of your life. And it's taking care of you first is ultimately what self-care is. And then, yeah, throwing a manicure and pedicure in there every once in a while is great as well. (laughs) I love that stuff just as much as anybody. But you're right in that sometimes we use those things as a band-aid to not deal with the real thing that we need to do, which will probably lead us to feeling better in the long run. Yeah. and, And how would you say that creating boundaries really helps us to stay accountable too? So true, right? Because I think when it comes to setting boundaries, it helps us accountable with like, For myself, for example, I had to recently establish better boundaries because I was feeling burned out and I was feeling exhausted and I was feeling whatever. And I kept saying that it was in the name of, oh, but I need to help people. I need to teach people. I need to do this thing. And it was like, yeah, that's true. But also, right, proper boundaries means that we, I need to say no to some things because I need to take care of myself. Another good example that I always think about when it comes to boundaries for myself anyways is relationship boundaries, right? Telling people, listen, I don't have the space to, I can't be the container today. I don't have the space to talk to you about this today. doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means that I'm taking care of my emotional health. I think particularly for women that can feel difficult because we grow up in this society in which we are almost trained to be the nurturers and to be there Mm -hmm. for people. Mm -hmm. And then we feel, especially if you're a mom, if you have kids and, and you're working all these things, and then we feel almost like it's selfish to say no to say, no, I don't have the space to talk about this today. Um, But those are the things that are self-care. That is boundaries of self-care because you are really putting the parameters in place to make sure that you are thriving, to recognize that making sure you're thriving is not selfish, but you don't have to be the afterthought in our own lives. For sure. For sure. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned because I have three kids and and a full-time job. Right. That means I do have to say no to things that maybe I used to say yes to. And but it's freeing up more time for me to do the things that serve me in a better way, whether that's spend the time with my kids, with my husband, by myself, getting my workout in. It can also be isolating at the same time, because sometimes you are saying no to things that you do want to do. Right. Because it served you Mm -hmm. in one way or shape or form. But you have to always weigh it to what are you giving up? by saying yes to this. And so that's right. that's probably one of the biggest like pieces of advice I have for people. And they're like, how do you balance it all? And I'm like, you have to start really taking inventory on what you're saying yes to, what you need to be saying no to, 
And I think that does just keep you accountable to make sure that you're always aligning what you're doing with how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I think that you have so many resources and tools and even just following you on Instagram has been really um, amazing. I I love reading your posts. And so if my listeners do want to hear more about you, I know you mentioned some webinars. Where can they find more resources about these topics? Absolutely. So I'm most active on Instagram. My Instagram is I am Chrissy King. I do have an anti-racism for wellness professionals webinar and also a diversity inclusion for wellness professionals webinar. So you can find information about those, both of those on my Instagram and then also my website, ChrissyKing.com. Awesome. Follow and I will make sure to link um, her Instagram as well and her website on our show notes. so You guys can go directly there. Chrissy, thank you so much. Thanks for the work that you're doing and that you are sharing with other people. I know I appreciate it and I'm excited to share our podcast today. Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank you for having me on. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for sipping on a cup of coffee and kettlebells with me today. To find a recap of today's show, be sure to check out the Burn Bootcamp blog. To get your daily dose, be sure to like our Facebook page at Coffee and Kettlebells. And follow me on Instagram at morgan.a.klein. If you have any questions you'd like answered at the end of my next podcast or have any suggestions for guests that you'd like to see featured on the show, please reach out to me at coffeeandkettlebells at burnbootcamp.com. If you love this episode of the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on the iTunes store and be sure to share with your friends. Thanks again, and I hope you join me next time for a refill of coffee and kettlebells.